This is Paul. And this is Wayne. Well, 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 Paul. Yes, sir. I understand you have finally, finally joined the rest of us and started watching Luke Cage. Well, so, you know, they released a new Defenders trailer at San Diego Comic-Con. And yes, they did. It looks, looks freaking hot, too. Yeah, yeah it looks, looks pretty, pretty hot. Yeah, I particularly love Daredevil in the trailer. I think he kind of stole it. Well, did you notice that Iron Fist was doing things that look like something a real martial artist would do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not judging or anything, but it just seems like somewhere between his his show and the Defenders, he may have taken a karate class or two. <laughs> well, did well, we'll get into Well, did you hear that Iron Fist is coming back for a season 2? It was surprising as hell, but yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. changing the showrunner though, so that'll definitely help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. I have not it's painful. Well, so you were talking I have not gotten to Iron Fist yet. But anyway, with uh, with Defenders coming out on August 18th, I was like, "Oh damn. Oh damn." Cuz I yeah. want I want to see that as soon, you know, as soon as I can when it drops. Um so what I did instead what I what I needed to do was get caught up on my Luke Cage and Iron Fist cuz I had not seen either of them. And right. so um last Sunday, I watched the first two episodes of Luke Cage. And uh, my first words were, God damn, this is going to be rough. This is going to be rough. <laughs> That's why I haven't ever made it through. But I got to say, Paul. immediately after episode two, the show gets good. Yeah, um, no, it gets better. The, it gets better. The first two episodes are terrible. But yeah. ep- but now I just finished episode seven, which is where the big twist happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and A twist. Twist. And episodes three through seven were all great. Um, now I hear it gets bad after that again. It does. It does. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, but I am through episode seven, which means I have six more to go and then I'll hit up iron fist and all 13 hours of that garbage. As Jessica Jones might say of Luke Cage, it's a rough ride. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm, uh, but, I'm, but I mean, it is, uh, it is all hard, all rough, all terrible. When you get into Iron Fist, <laughs> good times, good times. God, is it I at mean, least not boring? Because that was the problem with Luke Cage episodes one and two. Luke Cage episodes the, one and two were just boring. The problem yeah, I can tell you. I say I can tell you, Paul. I made it. Like, I haven't had a problem watching Iron Fist. It's not good, but it's not as painful to me as those first episodes of Luke Cage. Like, I stopped Luke Cage at episode two. I made it way further into Iron Fist than I did Luke Cage. The problem with Iron Fist is that it never lives up to its potential. It never it never is as cool as it should be. It's never as cool as you want it to be. Uh, the hero is if, – if this is a story of a hero's journey – you you spend the whole time going. Is he really a hero? Is he heroic? Is he, this somebody that anybody should be following? Uh, you know, there are things about him that you just don't understand the appeal. Um, yeah, if the hero's journey is the hero, you know, under their own power getting somewhere, this is the hero yeah. calling Uber. Yeah, no, I mean it's it it is such a terrible show. <laughs> but I think you have to get through it to get to the defenders. Yeah, but it's not painful to watch, though. Like, it's not... I think it depends on your definition of painful. Like, 13 <laughs> hours of garbage is... is I mean, now, as long as it's not boring. That's... that's. I will concern. tell you, I found some things excruciating about uh, Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. And largely because I was yelling at the TV so much. I mean, I turned into my dad. You know, that there was my are... superpower. I shape-changed ch- shape into my father yelling at the TV. <laughs> There are some really good things about it, though, and none of it is him or 
No, yeah. it's 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 the the bad guy. I really enjoy the bad guy. Uh, I really enjoy Colleen Wing. Yes, she's yeah. the best thing about the show. Yeah, and and a better fighter than him. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's like nobody caught that in the directions. Like, hey, the person who's supposed to be his sidekick is better at this than him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, I don't mean to spoil things for you, Paul, but uh, whoo. Ooh, I recommend drinking. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's no problem. <laughs> oh my god! But hey, hey, so we're in our second week now of being officially over at iomgeek.com. Woo! Yes. So and um, so yeah. Go ahead, Paul. Well, I, I don't know what you were. I don't know where you were going to go, and now I'm curious. So you go. Okay. Well, I was just going to let her let, let our our uh, followers know we've updated all of our RSS feeds. So if your uh, podcatcher has not updated the feed, you might want to go and resubscribe. But we have updated iTunes. We are on Google Play. We've updated all of those feeds. There are RSS. We have separate, unique RSS feeds on the site now. So you can just follow Funny Books if you want. You can just follow the IOM Actual Plays and Rainsboro if you want. Uh, now you've got uh, sort of a, a smorgasbord of choices in terms of your podcatching. Now, um, here's a good point that I should make. Our old feed was listed as Ideology of Madness. We That's are correct. now at, at on this podcast officially at Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. Rainsboro is at Rainsboro. Um, and the other feeds are forthcoming, but the, the, the names have changed. So um, that could be one of the issues you're running into. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is what you want to look for. We are on Google Play. Um, I need to check into Stitcher because I know some folks listen through that. But, you know, we, we are available in more places than, than ever before. But definitely check out IOMGeek.com. Do it. That's right. And IdeologyofMadness.com will get you to IOMGeek.com. But uh, either one of those URLs will work. So wahoo. So we were talking about, uh, you know, Luke Cage and Iron Fist and Netflix made a bunch of announcements at uh, at San Diego Comic-Con. And I don't know that Netflix made the announcements or if they were other. I, I don't know if Netflix had its own panel, but there sure seemed like a lot of Netflix related news. Um, and Netflix is becoming a force to reckon with. Um, you know, and one thing that's not on our outline is you guys heard that they Netflix purchased the rights to um, the new Martin Scorsese film. No. Um, this is not a joke. No, this, this is no. actually not a joke. Netflix. Martin Scorsese is doing a film. Get this. That is teaming up Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and Joe Pesci, and oh. Netflix got the exclusive rights to it. Huh? No, I had not heard this. Yeah. Is it a is it a gangster movie? It's um, I believe it's a Jimmy Hoffa film, if I remember Ooh. correctly. Okay. Um. So yeah, it's it's a thing. Um. It's I, I'm definitely interested. That sounds in, great. Uh, in that, you know, it's it's been I, a long time coming. Apparently, Joe Pesci turned it down like a hundred times, and Martin Scorsese legitimately just kept calling him. And, <laughs> and he said, "Okay, okay, 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 okay." okay. <laughs> yeah, um, Netflix paid a hundred and five million um, for this gangster wow. movie called The Irishman. Um, yeah, with uh, Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro plays Frank the Irishman Sheeran, a mob hitman who supposedly was involved in the death of Jimmy Hoffa. It also has Barbie Con Carnival and um, Harvey Keitel. Did you say uh, Bobby Bobby Cannibal? Cannibal. Yeah, whatever. I love him. I love that guy. Yeah. So uh, definitely cool. Um, but they also purchased the rights for the new film Bright, which is from director David Ayer, um, who directed Suicide Squad, who teams up with uh, his Suicide Squad uh, main cast of Will Smith and Joel Edgerton. 
and mm. it's um it's a cop drama set in a world where magic is real. So it's kind of like mixing Alienation with the Dresden Files. Yeah, it, Alienation really jumped out at me when I watched the trailer for this. Uh, Will Smith, I think, does particularly well when he plays these cop roles. Because he basically, Will Smith plays one character, yeah. Will Smith. Uh, so in this one, Will Smith is a police officer who is given a diversity hire to work with, an ogre. Played by Joel and, Edgerton. And remind me who Joel Edgerton is in Suicide Squad. He was um, he was the main military guy. I don't remember okay. what the, what the character's right. name oh, was. Oh, Flag? Yeah, yeah, he was he, Rick Flag. And he was recently in House of Cards this season. Yes, okay. he was also I, I, the, in the rebooted RoboCop as well. Yeah. I didn't okay. even recognize him under the makeup. Yeah, he is unrecognizable in this film. Huh. So yeah. when does that hit Netflix? Uh, November time frame, I think. Like a, sometime by, before Christmas. Um, yeah, the trailer it, looks really good. It, it is a well-budgeted film. It looks like something that you would see on the big screen, but it is exclusive to Netflix. And um, David Ayer, I know people don't like Suicide Squad necessarily, but the guy's a decent director. So I think that's a, you know, I think that's probably going to be Will Smith's best film in a while. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. <laughs> and hopefully it'll turn into to some type of franchise. But it is an R-rated film. David Ayer did say that. Um, did so you ever see... Did you ever see Will Smith's uh, The Pursuit of Happiness? I did not. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it is a soul-crushing film. <laughs> That's why it I is haven't a, seen it. It, ha- it has a nice ending, but literally the ending is two minutes of, 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 of good. The rest of it is just soul crushing, and, and 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 I bring it up. It's outside of our uh, of our of our genre, no. but I bring it up because Wayne says that that Will Smith pet plays one character, and that is absolutely not true in this movie. Uh, I, I will say he tends to play the same character in most of his movies, but uh, that is not true here. Yeah, that was an exaggeration. He has a couple characters. <laughs> But generally, generally he plays himself. You know, plays one character. You know, I, I gotta say, not not to to get off topic, but I'm gonna get off topic. I feel like most actors nowadays just play themselves. I mean, like George Clooney is always George Clooney. Uh, you know, Bar- Brad Pitt is always Brad Pitt. I, I don't know if that's true about Brad Pitt. Tom Cruise is because always Tom Cruise. I, I will say that's true of Tom Cruise. Except yeah, think, for maybe when he made that uh, what was that art house film he made where he was the. He wasn't a televangelist, but he was like a self-help guru guy. Oh, I never saw that I, one. I didn't either, but it, it seemed like that was a different character then. Yeah. But yes, no, I agree. I mean, like, I will tell you that, uh, uh, you know, when he did the movie where he plays the blind, uh, uh, scent of a woman, uh, he plays the, the blind uh, veteran, yeah. right? I mean, he has played that same character, though cited, in every movie since then. Yeah. It's just over the top, chewing the scenery, uh, where, I mean, if you compare his performance in the Godfa- in the first two Godfather films against anything he's done since Sin of a Woman, you can't recognize him. Oh, yeah. Because he's, su- he's such a subtle actor in his early work, uh, and he's just so over the top in everything since Sin of a Woman. I don't disagree. Well, one more piece of Netflix news is that they um, released the trailer for Stranger Things Season 2. God, that looks so great. That is a great damn trailer. God dang. And the, the, the use of, uh, of uh, Michael Jackson's thriller, the, the narration from that, yeah. with uh, Vincent Price, is just a terrific use of that sound. So as that's going on, I'm listening to it. And I'm like, are they 
because it has such a uh, good feel to it in the trailer. It's like it's gonna really throw it in a second here. But they cut the the line without a soul for getting down to make it creepier. Right. No, I just I, the, I thought that it was such a beautifully shot trailer and beautifully edited trailer. Sometimes trailers just don't come together very well. And that hit all the feels. I I, I, just, I can't wait. I cannot wait for Stranger Things. Yeah, I, it it looks like they are upping the ante on season two. Yeah. It just looks fantastic. And, and I, I saw an, a, uh, an article that said that he, they plan to end Stranger Things sooner than you might think. Like maybe uh, season three might be the last season of Stranger Things. Which makes sense. You know, I think you want to end it while they're still young. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and finish a story rather than come up with a reason to make it longer just because it's popular. Right. I'm looking so, at you, Supernatural. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I can't. I, I, I wore out on Supernatural several seasons back, and every time I see that it gets renewed, I'm like, seriously? <laughs> I mean, seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, uh, along the lines of Stranger Things, uh, when I was at the theater last week, um, we saw the, the the trailer for it. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> it's the first time I've seen the trailer. It's the first time my wife's seen the trailer. And there is the, the, you've got the kid walking down the street, and he's playing with his paper boat, and the paper boat goes into the storm drain, mm-hmm. and he's approaching the storm drain, and then there's that flash of the clown yeah. in, this, in, this, in the storm drain. Suzanne leapt out of her chair. <laughs> <laughs> As did most of the people in the theater. I, it was great. It was great. It was thoroughly enjoyable. Well, they have a um, they have a new trailer that was released at San Diego Comic Con and is online now. That looks uh-huh. even better. And you know, it's funny because we were talking about Stranger Things and you know along the same lines. It, it, it has one of the same actors. Um, I think his name is Finn Wolfhard. Uh-huh. Uh, he's he's the main character from Stranger Things, and he's also in uh, in uh, Stephen King's It and. Damn, that film looks so good. I, I am very excited for it. Less excited for part two, but the yeah. first part is going to be good. Are you hard? No, I'm wolf hard. I'm wolf hard. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> Those who know. Yeah, I was about no. to say, if you have to ask, you'll never know. <laughs> Uh, so, in sticking with the TV news, there was um, there were new trailers released for Star Trek Discovery and the Orville, kind of related to each other because the Orville is heavily influenced by Star Trek. Um, I gotta say, I'm really amused that the Orville is taking up the flag as like legitimate Star Trek entertainment, as opposed to uh, you know Star Trek spoof, yeah. science fiction spoof. I mean. Uh, you know, the, the develop the producers are saying, you know, we are we are going to straight up Star Trek this stuff that this is we we are this is an homage. This is uh, we, we are we will explore. We will be optimistic. I was like, I'm really kind of impressed by that. And it seems a strange. It seems a strange take. Yeah, the trailer I actually really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, I think the or- I, I haven't seen the new trailer for the Orville, but the first one I saw super impressed. Yeah. I mean, it. I, I hope that. I know the trailers emphasize the comedy, and I know that's Seth MacFarlane's uh, pedigree, but he is a huge Star yeah. Trek fan. Yeah, and big time so, Star Trek. Um, I, I the hope- ship looks really good, too. Yeah. Like the design of it. I, I'm hopeful that the show itself will be science fiction comedy and not 
comedy science fiction. You know, like right. I, I hope it's it's in that order. Um, well, you know, that we'll get and, a Star Trek show with a lot of humor, but not necessarily a comedy show with some science fiction in it. And I will say, for the most part, that's something that is really missing from Star Trek. You know, for when you think of Next Generation, you know, uh, original, not so much the original series, but you know, the, the, those series that came after it, a well-developed sense of humor is not something that was really part and parcel of those shows. You would have some some great amusing shows like Trouble with Tribbles, uh, you know, the Harry Mud uh, episodes, but as part of a an ongoing sort of sense of humor. Star Trek really isn't very good at that. So that could be something that Seth MacFarlane brings to the table. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for for it's pe- some people try to, like, figure out, you know, what's what's the code on these Marvel movies or, you know, why do why are characters like the characters in Star Wars Episode seven um, so likable? And it's because of the injection of humor. You inject right. some humor right away. Characters become instantly likable and relatable. But when you well, they seem, when you try to avoid seem, that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you. Humans make fun of every situation, right? I mean, in our yeah. darkest moments, we're cracking wise. And that doesn't happen in a lot of material, you know? And and so when you do that, it, it immediately makes those characters more accessible, more human, more likable. Like um, us. Exactly. Yeah. We, are, we are more real than almost anybody you've ever met. Pay attention, DC Comics, while you're making movies. <laughs> well, I think they're, I think we're getting that in Justice League. But you know where we're not getting any humor? Is in that, that trailer for Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> that looks like a joyless show to me. It, it does seem very serious and intense, but I got to tell you, that new trailer looks hot. I don't know, Aaron. That new trailer did I, not impress me. I got to tell you, I thought that it, it was scratching me right where itch, Paul. Mm. But I will say, I mean, it in a lot of respects, it reminds me a lot of Star Trek Enterprise. It seems very serious. It, and it looks like if Enterprise you're going to have a oh sorry go ahead if you're gonna if you're gonna have a show called Discovery we need to see the wonder of exploration we need to see the whole reason that you go back in time is to show that that period of 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 discovery of exploration of you know finding new things you know seeking out new life new civilizations boldly going where no one's gone before that's what you're supposed to be about. Um, it concerns me. It looks like we're going to be about a lot of political intrigue. We're going to be into the machinations and the Klingon Empire. Don't get me wrong. That kind of scratches me right where I itch. But that is not what's going to bring new watchers to your show. No. Um, you know, the, the sense of wonder uh, of exploring new things doesn't seem present, at least in the trailer. I, I'm hopeful that the trailer is just, you know, indicative of the pilot. And after the pilot, yeah. you know, um, we'll, and that's we'll, what we'll I th- get something different. Yeah. And that's what I think it is. I think it, I think it is pilot driven. I will say I was very harsh about the uh, Klingon makeup and design early on. Mm-hmm. I am I am less harsh about that now. Uh, I still don't like it. I don't understand the deviation, but I also understand that there is a story reason. Yeah, so they're if there's a story reason. I'm going to let it go. They are <laughs> saying there's a story reason. They're say, they're they're saying it's based on different houses of on yeah. Klingon, and so um, is the reason we're getting different types of Klingons throughout the years. Um, yeah. You know I. I'm, I'm still I did not care for the new trailer. I feel like it looks like a it looks like it doesn't look like it fits mm-hmm. based on where it's supposed to be in the timeline. Um, it oh, looks yeah. super influenced by J.J. Abrams. There's even that one scene where she's shooting out of the airlock, just, you know, uh-huh. flying through space. And I'm like, that's the J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Like stick to the yeah. if you're going to do original universe, stick with it. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I, 
I also agree. It looks heavily JJ influenced. Um, I, it concerns me. I mean, the, the, you're, they're clearly spending a lot of money on the designs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, I saw all kinds of prop pictures from San Diego Comic-Con and I was like, wow, that, that's pretty hot. You know, I can't wait to have that toy, but <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't, it does not seem to appropriately fit in the timeline. And they, and I keep hearing that they have actually done what I've always said Star Trek needs to do. They hired fans to fact check them to make sure that they were staying timeline true. So, mm. yeah, I know. I, I'm just like, God, how do you get that job? I need that job. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, you mentioned Justice League. Yeah. So I watched the new Justice League trailer that came out of San Diego Comic-Con. And I remember going in, I hated Batman versus Superman. I, I recall. I am basically to the point where I'm through with DC movies. This is the first trailer that made me actually have any hope for Justice League. Looked pretty hot. Yeah. I think the trailer was both very good and you we've mentioned comedy flash who i thought looked horrible in uh, everything we've seen him in so far he looked good he stole the trailer he was funny and it was interesting i will say my only concern with justice league and and i think that trailer that four minute trailer that was released during san diego comic-con looks badass but my concern with it is that the ending is going to turn into a bunch of computer-generated heroes fighting a giant computer-generated creature again with Steppenwolf, because uh-huh. it just feels like that's where we're going um, in it, and that's how and that's how Batman versus Superman ended. That's how Wonder Woman ended. That appears to be how this is going to end. That looks like how Avengers: Infinity War is going to end. And it's like, <laughs> what, what? You know, we we went from giant holes in the sky in every freaking movie to now giant computer-generated creatures. You know, that are 20 feet tall that the heroes have to fight. And that's, I, I just get the feeling that's where Justice League is going to end with a giant computer generated Steppenwolf fighting the, the heroes. And I just, I, I'm tired of seeing that. Give me something new. You know, the, 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 the reason Civil War resonated so well with me was that, you know, when the characters are fighting at the end, you know, it's, it's just that two on one, you know, intimate fight. At the end. Um, and yeah, Iron Man is computer generated, but it doesn't feel like, you know, stupid CGI all over the place. And that that's why that film resonated so well with me. Um, but when I see the but the ending of Batman versus Superman, I thought was the worst part of the film. Yeah. yeah and my other complaint about the DC movies is especially Batman versus Superman, Man of Steel, the final fights on these things, they don't look like they're in the real world. Because they're not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're in yeah. a computer. And that's the thing. It's so obvious. Like the Marvel movies, I can't think of a Marvel movie, except for maybe Guardians of the Galaxy, where the fight scene looks like looks really alien or look doesn't look like it could have happened on Earth. And that's what these all look like. It looks like you see the trailers of these things, and it looks like this big alien landscape where you wonder, are they going to be sucked into like the, you know, Phantom Another Zone. universe to fight or something. I but no, see. it's just a destroyed city generally. Well, you know, they they don't they did announce that there would also be a Wonder Woman 2 surprising no one. I think it's been dated for 2019, if I recall. Yep. Yep. Um so between Justice League's part one and two. At at Christmas time. Very nice. Oh yeah, because yeah. uh because that, that time frame is usually uh you know, for the last couple of years has been Star Wars, but Star Wars is switching back to to May release dates with the upcoming episode eight. Yep. Yep. 
pretty excited about that. Pretty I, excited I, about the the Justice League film. I my only you know, <laughs> we know that Superman's coming back in that movie, right? Um, at what point does he come back in the movie? Does he come back in the final act? It seems like the final act. Yeah, yeah. I actually wonder how much the movie will even wrap up. Like if they're going to end up making like a cliffhanger or something. Oh yeah, they've already said that. You know, originally it was going to be called Justice League Part One and Justice League Part Two or something like that. Just like Avengers: Infinity War, both of those are ending on cliffhangers because they're both two-part films. You know, Mm -hmm. this film is going to set up Darkseid, just like Infinity War is going to set up. You know, the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, What I think is interesting is you know they announced that you know they finally. You know, they're kind of going back to the uh, studs on the Flash movie and, uh, you know, studs, you know, like, you know, like, you know, where you maybe that's the wrong term, but, you know, starting from scratch. um, Okay. On on the Flash movie. uh, And Mm -hmm. they are instead basing it on Flashpoint. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Which I saw that. that is an odd choice for me for his first movie. For his first film. Unless, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a way to link the uh, the TV show to the film to the film universe, you know, and glimpses of both, you know, because I I think the fans, because Flash is so popular, the TV show, Mm -hmm. I I think fans are really struggling with, you know, this other guy. Yeah, well, I I know I am. I like Grant Gustin and I it's it's jarring to me that you've got two very different interpretations. Uh, maybe that maybe that's, you know, how they link that to, you know, make everybody happy. You know what I think it is? Mm. I think they're turning Flash into a Flashpoint movie so that they could basically just make it Justice League 1.5 um, so that they can incorporate other superheroes into the film to bring people to the theaters. Just like, you know, um, just like Marvel's doing with Thor. Well, Thor is kind of the films that people don't like, so uh-huh. maybe we'll throw Hulk in it, you know, like, um, <laughs> you know, and and, 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 then, and then people will want to see I it. I have to say it worked. It made me want to see it a lot more. Well, I hated the second Thor film. I, I just, I, I can't, I can't rewatch it. Yeah. And I they, like the first also, one. Can't watch the second. They're also the lowest grossing Marvel films. And, you know, Marvel has, Marvel's not stupid. Well, you know, no one's really going to see Ant-Man. Maybe if we advertise that the Avengers are in it also and, you know, and that but, you kind know, of thing. Ant-Man's, Ant-Man's a fantastic movie, though. It is. But it's one of those things that when it's an unproven commodity like like this new Flash character is, I think right. what DVC is trying to do is, OK, well, we can advertise it that it's going to have alternate versions of the Justice League in it, um, you know, and, and, and people will come to it because they'll, you know, it's like Civil War, basically. Um, you know, I, so I think that's what they're doing with the flash and, you know, we were, we had mentioned Thor, um, there was a new Thor trailer released, um, you know, where I I will say the new Thor, I think looks fantastic, but I think they've turned it into a guardians of the galaxy movie. No, it, it looks, it looks almost exactly like guardians of the galaxy in the way they're advertising it to the point that I, you know, I, I watched the trailer and it occurred to me, I'm like, they turned Hulk into Drax. Uh-huh. <laughs> that yeah. is exactly what they did. Yeah. I like that we're finally going to get Hulk talking, but that it's it, they give him kind of a caveman type speech. He just looks like Drax to me. I mean, not physically, but, you know, like every time he talked in the trailer, I'm like, that seems like something Drax would say. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're more of a smoldering fire, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, they definitely added a lot more comedy than the second Thor movie had at least in the trailer there were 
really funny moments. And I don't remember funny from the second Thor movie at all. The first one had, you know, had some comedy and it had some funny in it, but yeah, the second movie is just outright bad. Yeah. It's just a bad film. There's so much wrong with that movie. I haven't gone back and rewatched it. It, I I saw it it in theaters. I own it, but I never rewatched it. Yeah, I, it is uh, It is not good. It is not good on many levels. I mean, half of the movie is so dark you can't see what the hell's going on. Yeah, I think Thor... You know, I think the Thor films are my least favorite of the Marvel films, just like they are everyone's. Um, <laughs> but hopefully this new one will be good. I, 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 yeah. I have, I, I have a, a, a good feeling about it. Yeah, I think it looks incredible, and I think it looks incredible because of Hulk in it. Uh, exactly. It, well, I think it looks... I, for me, it looks good seeing him outside way outside of what we've typically seen him in right yeah um i mean i love the idea that that you know you have the aspect of thor that you can tell the the sword and sorcery sorts of stories in the marvel universe but they just went to such a weird place in the previous movie um and so getting getting to see him fight thor getting to see him fight hulk and you know, have that kind of outer space fun in addition to going back and seeing Hella. I mean, who ever thought you'd see Hella on the screen looking like she does in the comic book? Right. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, th- that right there I'm super excited about. Well, you know, since we're talking about Thor, um, let's kind of talk a little bit about some comic-related San Diego Comic-Con news. Um, you know, far less comic-related re- news, because that stuff they don't necessarily have to hold for San Diego Comic-Con, but... Um, you know, the Marvel Legacy is coming. That's that. That's Marvel's big reboot post uh, Secret Empire. I think we talked last week how Mark Wade and Chris Somney are taking over Captain America. Right. Um, but one thing we hadn't mentioned was that there is going to be um, a Marvel Legacy book, Marvel Legacy number one. Um, it comes out in September. Uh, that's going to kick off the new Marvel Legacy initiative. It's written by Jason Aaron with art by Esad Ribic, and mm. they are going to be introducing. The Avengers of 1 million BC. I saw some, I saw some stuff on that, yeah. And uh, the Avengers of 1 million BC, I'm just going to go ahead and read the uh, the characters. They are Agamotto, Black Panther, um, Iron Fist, uh, Odin. Sorry, my computer's taking a minute to load the, this webpage. Um, <laughs> the Phoenix, and uh, Starbrand. So it's, it's, an, it, it's, an, it's a lineup that... I, I quite frankly, I like the fact that Jason Aaron's writing it, but damn, this feels like a Jonathan Hickman idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and Ghost Rider. I'm sorry. Ghost Rider in it, is in it as well. Um, is he writing a dinosaur? Uh, he might be. <laughs> oh, if he does it, they've missed out. And, oh, he's writing a woolly mammoth. Sorry. Oh, well, okay. Not as cool, but not okay. As, no, it should have been a velociraptor. <laughs> but I, I i'm kind of interested in that concept um yeah i think it's going to be interesting so uh i i will pick up marvel legacy number one as long as it's not eight goddamn dollars or something um you know as marvel is wont to do hopefully uh-huh. they'll, they'll they'll wise up with this you know but based on dc rebirth and make this an extra size book for 2.99 like uh, dc rebirth number one was but that just doesn't seem like marvel style yeah that that's not a marvel move no that's not a yeah yeah but so um, in, in addition, there was a um, DC Masterclass panel. And I don't know if you guys remember that the DC Masterclass are guys like Greg Capullo, Scott Snyder, John Romita Jr. and that kind of thing. Right. Um, well, they had a surprise guest on the panel and it was Frank Miller, 
To announce um, that he's not dead yet. To announce that, one, he's not <laughs> dead yet, and two, um, he is doing a, a new book uh, for DC. He is doing Superman Year One, um, and he is only writing it. The art is going to be done by John Romita Jr., I know that sounds concerning on both ends of the spectrum, <laughs> but I will remind folks that Batman Year One was excellent, as was Daredevil The Man Without Fear, which was the same creative team of Frank Miller and, and um, John Romita Jr. with Klaus Janssen on uh, on Klaus. Ink. Yes, but those are very different characters than Superman. Is, is Klaus Janssen involved? He, he wasn't announced, but I would be shocked if he's not. Okay. Um, cause I, I know, um, Miller and Klaus Jansen had kind of a falling out years ago, but I believe they've reconciled right. since I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm curious. It's going to be, um, I think it's going to be a graphic novel. I don't think it's going to be a series. Um, I think the DC has learned from the, uh, DK three debacle, which yeah. I will tell you, I, I, in the, the new DC sale that comiXology had during San Diego comic-con, I picked up the remaining issues of dark Knight three. I haven't uh -huh. read them yet. <laughs> um, no, but I, I did pick them up and Aaron, there is an avatar line wide sale going on right now where you can finish off your, um, the remaining issues of Providence for a buck 25 each. Oh, really? I'll have to jump in and do that. Yeah, I did. Well, I, that's I picked up those in mercury heat for a buck each. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. We can finally finish that damn book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did some damage during the DC comics, buy one and get one sale. Yeah. I, uh, I, 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 I bought a whole I've got the entire run of Mark Evanier's uh New Gods. Uh and oh, yeah. I, I and I love that I love that run of New Gods. The artwork is a little nineties or a little eighties and wonky, but uh the stories are great. So I I finished off my Arion collection. Nice, um, nice. I did all kinds of stuff there. So but you know, one thing though, every now and again I, I get frustrated that the comic that I want is not available digitally. And it surprises me that there are not more issues of uh, Spider-Man's Marvel team-up uh, in in uh, Comicsology. There there are some, but by no means the the full run. And there's so much good stuff in that run. I mean, they they practically had the entire run of Marvel Two and One featuring the Thing, uh, but uh, just it seems like such a small number of books of uh, Marvel team up. And I tell you, I tell you what, that was my Spider-Man jam back in the day. Did you hear they're bringing back Marvel two in one? I did not. Uh, I love that. I, I love that with the thing. Is it going to be the thing? So it's going to be a theme, a thing and um, Johnny storm uh, uh -huh. team up book. Now that could be interesting. Cause we're not really, we're not getting those characters right. Well, now. you know, the thing to remember about Marvel two and one is that that's where a lot of this whole Marvel universe stuff is coming from that we're seeing in the movies. Uh, you know, Project Pegasus, uh, the, there's a lot of the story was refined in the Cosmic Cube. That's uh, where Thanos had some of his big stories yep. was in Marvel 2 and 1. The Thanos um, Copter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You got to <laughs> love the Thanos Copter, Paul. <laughs> <sighs> Good times. Maybe they'll bring it back. But, you know, uh, also, uh, you know, Adam Warlock, you know, yeah. uh, you know, she and him. Uh, you know, showed up in uh, the pages of Marvel two and one. So you know, Guardians of the Galaxy—they didn't start there, but they they had a pretty big piece in there. So I mean, a lot of the stuff that you're seeing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe spent some quality time over in Marvel two and one. I love those old Marvel team up books, uh, and, and I, I think there's there's just some great stuff there. In fact, the Chris Claremont John Byrne run in Marvel team up with Spider Man 
is fantastic and oh, yeah. really sort of really sort of presages what they're going to do in the X-Men uh, back in those days. And I, I, I love those pages. In fact, there are some great pages uh, with Iron Fist and Colleen Wing in the pages of uh, Marvel Team Up. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you so the book I, I used to love was Marvel Comics Presents. Yeah, the where you would have four different books because a lot of them were Ghost Rider and Wolverine stories that you know, and you could get them pretty cheap. I remember the there was a book. Yeah, I remember uh, there was a Spider-Man Wolverine team up. It was three parts, and it was done by Eric Larson. And I used to love the shit out of that story. Yeah, um, yeah. I, so I, I'm you know, Marvel has some interesting legacy books coming out. I hope that they are. I hope that they will learn from DC Comics and do the two ninety nine thing. I feel like they would be stupid to not watch the market. Marvel doesn't really strike me as an enterprise that learns things. Fair. Fair. <laughs> well, except that this Marvel legacy totally seems like it's cribbing off DC Rebirth. But yeah. But you know, speaking of DC Rebirth, we uh, we picked up some DC books this week. Um, you know. For starting up with the new issue of Action Comics, the concluding chapter of the Revenge storyline. And while it's the concluding chapter, it doesn't really feel like it concludes anything. It concludes nothing. Yeah, I mean, it just, I mean, what they're essentially doing is just retitling for for the next story. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it is a, a, a major... Uh, story dangle. I mean, the, the, the there's every the stuff is still hanging. I mean, you could you could call it a cliffhanger in that ending because it resolves absolutely nothing. Well, except that now Zod has a wife and child just like Superman. So now well, we're going to get Superman family versus Superman family. Well, and you know, we 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 had that story previously before the uh, New Fifty Two, right? Yeah, because uh, Superman had recovered Zod's son from the Phantom Zone, named him Chris. Right? Is that who this and, kid is? Yeah, I wasn't sure because I thought Chris was good. Well, Chris was good. This is a reinterpretation for uh, the New Fifty Two. Uh, so same same idea uh, in terms of lineage, but different yeah. uh, different take on the character. Yeah, this one hasn't gone under Superman's wing. He's been raised by Ursa. Right. Because remember, in the Phantom Zone, both Zod and Ursa were there, and they were really pretty abusive parents. Yeah. And so uh, Superman saves Chris in the Phantom Zone, brings him home, raises him as his own, which really kind of you know laid the groundwork for oh, wouldn't it be cool for to have a Superman and Son book? Um, and then you know Chris has to return to the Phantom Zone at the end of that story, at the end at the conclusion of uh, that storyline. But yeah, uh, I. I think it's kind of – I think there are some neat, neat elements in this book, Paul. But uh, I got to tell you, I was super frustrated at the way the book ended. I was too. And I, I will say this is the first time where Mr. Oz has been interpreted in a, in a way that I feel like, well, maybe he's not Ozymandias. <laughs> Ozymandias. It right. just – like he, he seemed kind of nice in this book. <laughs> um <laughs> And so I thought it was an interesting uh, interpretation of, of him. But I mean, I'm sure he's still an Ozymandias, but it was just he seemed kind of nice. He seemed very helpful in this book. And I don't know why he would be. <laughs> yeah, I know Superman is a big part of whatever they're going to do with that. And not and it's the whole Superman family that's a part of it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be inter an interesting story. I mean, I, I, I like the way the story wrapped up in that 
Well, I shouldn't say wrapped up. I like the way the book ended in that I, I'm interested in seeing this super family versus super family. Even though, you know, technically Lois can't fight Ursa unless she has some type of suit on. Um, right. But I, I think that's what they are setting up. Sure. So one of the things that, that annoyed me, I'm gonna, I've got at least two things here that I'd like to talk about in this issue. Okay. Um, one is that they really seem to tease at the end of the last issue that we were going to spend some quality time in the Phantom Zone. You know, that we were going to get yeah. to see what the Phantom Zone looks like in the New 52, in the DC Rebirth era. Era, What does the Phantom Zone look like? And you you send all of these heroes. You send Superwoman, the Chinese Superman. You send Steel. You send Superman plus Cyborg and the Eradicator, right? You send those guys all into the Phantom Zone. And they're back in just pages later in the next issue. Yeah. With the exception of Cyborg. So, I mean... It, it seemed like there was no good reason in terms of story to to waste their time in the Phantom Zone, other than to to <laughs> coincidentally cure Superman's blindness. Well, and you also look at it; you have this whole team of people that are going to be you know really difficult for the Superman you know family to fight, and pretty much Zod just defeats. You know, they don't actually win the fight. Zod gets rid of him. Zod punches Mongol into space. Zod traps Cyborg, you know, Superman in the Phantom Zone. There really wasn't a victory to that fight. And, and, and here's and, and speaking of fights, here's something else that annoys me about this book, is that Crypto, the dog, Super Dog, takes on Zod. Now, pound for pound, dogs are stronger than men, right? They might not. They are in terms of of, of, a, of, a, of a of a dog strength. Pound to pound, they're, they're stronger than a man. So a super dog should be tremendously powerful. And it bugs me that the way Crypto uh, attacks Zod is to body check him. It's not how a dog attacks. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I mean, we should have seen Crypto take him out at the legs or at the arms, at the neck. And we see him barking at his neck and, you know, he bloodies him up. But, you know, a, a, a Kryptonian dog imbued with the powers given to him under a yellow sun should be able to tear the arm off of a likewise-powered Kryptonian. And let's not forget Zod's been in the Phantom Zone, not right. under a yellow sun. And so, I mean, I, I don't expect Crypto to, you know, take out Zod. That's Superman's job, right? And I did appreciate that he, he he was able to take Zod down fairly quickly, but I just I felt like we should have seen something a little bit more. And I hate to use this word in a Superman book, gruesome. You know, it should have been more savage than it was, and that's what bothered me about that. I mean, I did I did like that Crypto got his licks in, but so many times and earlier in this book we saw Crypto dispatched so easily. And I just I, I want to see crypto just, you know, there's a reason why people fear dogs. <laughs> At know? least he wasn't eaten in this one. Well, thank God for that, because he does get eaten a lot. So out of curiosity, because I didn't read all of the new 52 Superman stuff. Where did this crypto come from? You know, I I am not really sure on that because remember in the in the original New Fifty Two books, he was very wolfy in appearance, yeah, yeah. And, and much more dire wolf looking. Uh, I am not sure. I, I'm really unclear as to his origins. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I don't he's know there. The... I'm not arguing. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I don't think there has been a story to reinterpret him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this might be the same crypto, just they're drawing him more doggy than Wolfy now. But you know, because uh, he was in, he was around this way before the um, Superman Reborn storyline with uh, Mister uh, Mixel Pitlick. So, so are they? We haven't seen a whole lot of Lois Clark and John in Metropolis. But does does Crypto just live at the fortress? I think so. That seems kind of shitty. <laughs> why can't he? Why can't he live with them in Metropolis? Uh, I mean, I, I think they could probably scrape together a pet deposit. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would have to, I would have to look. I think he, I, I don't know that I've seen him in Metropolis, but well, and I don't think that I've seen him. Uh, I, he doesn't seem to be a regular character in Hamilton. I think he hangs out at the fortress, and that just seems kind of lonely for Crypto. Well, I mean, the fortress has other people in there. He's got that uh... prisoners. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> prisoners, Paul. <laughs> That's not an appropriate environment for a young dog. These are his formative years. Aaron, I feel like you were just delaying me being able to talk about goddamn Asriel in the pages of Detective Comics number 961. I'm like, all right, wrap up this shit so I can talk about the last page of Detective Comics number 961. I'm as-blocking you. (laughs) Because the last page of Detective Comics shows the Batman Asriel suit, and I'm like, yes! You know, I, I said it before, not a big uh, Nightfall Azrael fan. It's because you suck. But what I but I'll, I will tell you, I, I love what they're doing with him in this book. And I did. I thought that that last page was pretty damn hot with the new armor. And I hope pretty it's here to stay. Hot. Yeah. It, yeah, it, no, it looked great. It looked great. And I got to tell you, I, I read uh, this issue of Detective Comics, which is Detective Comics 961 and 960 back to back, because I I didn't uh, read 960 when it first came out, and those two books read beautifully together. Oh yeah, I I I, I, I am enjoying the story with the backstory with uh, Zatanna and young Bruce Wayne. Uh, I, I think her kind of explaining magic to a guy who's as cynical as Batman is uh, is fascinating. And I am much more impressed by the fact that all of this is taking place in a similar continuity with what's going on in metal. Yeah. Because there are so many references to that, to the metal story in this book, in that, you know, Bruce is aware of the God machine. Bruce is, you know, he, he's, a, he's aware of these things. This, care, this story shows that this has been on his mind for a while. And I think that's a nice tie-in. It feels natural for me. It feels yeah. like Tom King and James Tindian IV planned ahead so that this didn't feel, um, you know, force-fed and, and shoved in and, and out of place. Um, this feels like a natural progression of what of the storyline we were getting. And I, I, I think these guys are super talented. And DC, if you want to give James Tindian IV and Alvaro Martinez a Zaytana book... I, yeah. will, I will buy the hell out of that book. Yeah. Because um, this Alvaro Martinez, who I am, again, we, we talked about him last issue. I am not familiar with this artist, but yeah. he is like stupendous. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's a beautiful book. And uh, Bruce bumping into Raj Al Ghul <laughs> in, in that you know, young Bruce bumping into Raj Al Ghul in, in the uh, in the uh, uh, in, in their suite mm-hmm. is just a, just a great scene. Just, I mean, it's just a throwaway scene. You're like, oh, crap, what was Raj up to there? You know? Yeah. 
yeah, I just it's just a great book, and the designs are great. Um, I, I, I like the there is a fantastic um, inner conflict going on with uh, with uh, Azrael, you know, mm-hmm. and you know fight, fighting the 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 AI that's been implanted in him. I, I just, I, this book is great. And they've done something that no one has done before is they've made me very interested in the Batwing character. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- this team is just so talented. Um, yeah. Wayne, you are missing out on this storyline. Yeah. Mm. Do it. <laughs> yeah. It's but, super good. It's super good. But as good as this book was, my book of the week was Batman shadow. Number four, Aaron. It's an awesome book, Paul. Oh, my God. So there's a scene where um, Batman and uh, the Shadow are side by side and, you know, shit's about to go down. And the Shadow says, you say I wasn't your teacher, Batman, yet you bring me such gifts. And all of a sudden they just start wailing on the, the rogues gallery. And that is just such an awesome sequence. What about the page where all of the Batman villains have lined up? to execute Batman, to cut his heart out. Yeah. And Joker, you know, you got Joker, Man Bat, Penguin, Scarecrow, and the Stag, which is a, you know, shadow villain, are all sitting there and it's, ah, ha, 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 madman laughter. And you see, it's panel after panel, and suddenly you see that uh, Joker kind of stops. The laughter is continuing. He stops, he's like, oh, that's not me. And it's the shadow who's doing the laughing. Yeah. I, perfect scene. Perfect scene. And extremely good and guided view. Oh yeah, a fantastic and guided view, and the uh, the dialogue in this book is terrific. I mean, you know, the shadow says, "The weed of crime must be plucked, Batman. Your garden grows wild." <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love this book. It is so good. Um, it's the and I think there's two more issues left of this series. Yeah, I will be sad to see it go, but I am happy that um, you know this book is co-written. Uh, by uh, Scott Snyder and I don't recall the other. It's uh, Steve Orlando. Yeah. And I believe Steve Orlando is writing the shadow book that's coming from Dynamite, right? Yeah. Um, with artist uh, Daniel HDR. Yeah. And have you, uh, you know, Daniel's posting uh, images from, you know, that he's illustrating on his Instagram feed. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, it's hot, Paul. The images are just stunning. It it looks I, I am I am so on board for that new Shadow book. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm pretty damn excited. Pretty damn excited. And this book, guys, if you haven't gotten on, there were four issues in. Um, I have enjoyed every single issue of this book. Shadow is written well. Batman's written well. The art's fantastic. Uh, I just there's nothing not to love here. Agreed. And uh, let me correct myself. Um, the the writer is Cy Spurrier. On that new book, um, so sadly not Steve Orlando, but Cy Spurrier is is a is a, is a, a good writer on his own as well. Well, I, it's got me it's got me jazzed for the Shadow. In fact, I uh, picked up the uh, Shadow uh, Radio Series Collection on Audible this week, nice. which has got like the entire <laughs> archive of uh, of uh, Shadow Radio. Series. I love that radio series so much. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's, it's like 9,000 hours of radio, <laughs> but it's all, but it's, it's such a joyful listen. Yeah, it really is. It really is. So yeah, I, I, you just can't go wrong with this book. And I got to tell you, it is, it is the shadow book I've been looking for, for such a long time. I've been so disappointed in shadow books in the past. And, uh, this one's just fantastic. 
Yeah, agreed. I'm going to be sad when it's over. <laughs> Did I ever tell you guys that I found the uh, a copy of the Shadow movie and I tried to go back and rewatch it? It's so good. With it, uh, Alec Baldwin? It, it did not hold up. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it. What? Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Take your word for it, Paul. You can, <laughs> I, I need a double feature of that and The Phantom, and I am just a happy camper. Oh, oh a triple feature Phantom. with The Rocketeer. I thought you were going to throw Dick Tracy up. in there. Oh, yes, that too. <laughs> yeah, Phantom and Rocketeer both hold up, but Phantom, I still, I rewatch that one occasionally. It's just so good. I would do a pulp if I owned a movie theater, I would have Pulp Hero Saturday and just show all four of those movies back to back. And you'd be the only one in there, Paul. And that's the way <laughs> I want it. No, but you got to do you got to do it like Alamo Draft House, where they have cereal Saturdays. Yes. You, know, so you fill up your cereal bowl, you go in there and you watch your, your, your stories. And we can even show some of those classic cereals on the cinema. That's right. On the cinema. On the cinema screen. <laughs> Oh, Paul. I know. Next, Paul's going to tell us when he was a boy, you could go see it. You could take take 25 cents to the theater. You could see a double feature, three serials, a cartoon, and still have money for Coke and Pop. <laughs> that Coca-Cola classic. <laughs> so next week in comic stores. Yes, sir. I, I, I feel like it is important to announce here on this podcast that next week from DC Comics... The beginning of the Jack Kirby 100 specials with New God special written by Shane Davis and Walt Simon, written and drawn by Shane Davis and Walt Simonson. I'm super, super jazzed for this. Yes, it is a $4.99 book, but you get three stories out of it and it's worth it. (laughs) It's a $4.99 book. That's not bad at all. Marvel would have charged like $7.99 or something really ridiculous for it. I, I can't wait. I think there's all but one of these books. I think it's the Newsboy Legion I'm not into, but the uh, but the other books just sound fantastic to me. Yeah, so the, it features a feature-length story featuring Orion, Light Ray, Forager, and Calabac. Um, in a backup story, Walt Simonson tells a tale of young Orion, and inclu- it includes a re- uh, reprint of a classic New God's Tale by Jack Kirby. It is money well spent. I can tell you that right now, and I haven't even read the book. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Also from DC Comics, the War of Jokes and Riddles continues in the pages of Batman. Also a good good run of stories. And if you want a preachy history lesson, you can pick up Superman number twenty eight, the, <laughs> the second part of the uh, the Kent's trek across America. If you'd like more propaganda, yeah, I am really thinking about skipping it. I'm going to skip it. I, I am actually going to skip it. It's just, it's. I know I'm not going to enjoy it, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm not that much of a completionist that I need to buy something I know I'm not going to enjoy. So, since you mentioned uh, Superman, I did look up the origins of the new Fifty Two Crypto. Mm-hmm. He was the he was. Uh, Jor-El and uh, Kal-El's dog on Krypton and got put in the Phantom Zone. Hmm. Uh. And that's how he got to Earth was he was a ghost dog following around and pr- oh, protecting that's right. Clark. And that's then right. they, they brought when they opened the Phantom Zone, he came out. I remember that from uh, those first, I think it was the Grant Morrison books. Yeah. That, that, that you had this, you know, Phantom Zone something uh what we thought might have been stalking him. <laughs> yeah, but that was uh, but that was the wolf dog. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I guess they're yeah, that is crypto. Yeah, they just drew him differently. It's the same dog. Hmm. Well, also next week from Marvel Comics, they're doing that Generations event, um, 
which is uh, a bunch of one shots. This next week's is Generations Banner Hulk and the Totally Awesome Hulk. It's kind of like a time travel tale uh, featuring you know Bruce Banner and Amadeus Cho Hulk teaming up. Written by Greg Pak, um, art by Matteo Buf- Bufagni. Bufagni. Uh, not familiar with the artist, uh, but that the the Generations tales kind of have like Wolverine with X twenty three and um, Jean Grey with old Jean Grey and just kind of different tales of the original interpretations of the characters teaming up with the current interpretations of their characters. Um, I, I, is I don't there know. going to be a uh, Thor Thor team up? Yes, there is. Uh, that one might be interesting. A uh, couple of interesting books from image comics next week. Uh, Reborn from Mark Miller and Gray Capullo. I, I dropped out, I think after the second issue, uh, but the, it is, is um, the trade paperback comes out next week uh, for 12.99, which is actually a pretty decent price. Um, and there's a, another book from Image that kind of sounds interesting, uh, written by Jay Fairber. Um, it's the fantastic story of what really happened to Amelia Earhart, mysteriously transported to a strange new world filled with flying beasts and alien civilizations. Amelia desperately struggles to return home. Along the way, she forges alliances and makes enemies as she goes from aviator to freedom fighter in a rebellion against a merciless warlord. It sounds fun, and the art looks good on the cover. I might check this one out. Cool. Cool. So all that and more next week. Funny books. Very exciting. And don't forget, iomgeek.com. And uh, call us. Let us know what you thought of this week's comics and the news out of San Diego Comic-Con. Let us know what you think of the new site at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. Very exciting. Very exciting. It is exciting, Paul. It is exciting. And just remember, not hard. Wolf Wolf hard. (laughs) Catch you guys next time. (laughs) Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. (laughs) 